Good day, everyone. I am Matt Harrison, and you are listening to the Geary Cast on Sport Direct Radio, the Malaga fan podcast for all the Geary's out there. Malaga headed to the Basque Country this past Sunday afternoon, but once again, there was nothing to bask in at all, as Malaga left Iparua with a 2-1 loss despite scoring an 89th-minute equaliser. We will discuss how big a blow that loss could be for Malaga's survival hopes. Then we will move on from Esteban Burgos volleys to Burgos Club de Football coming to La Rosaleda this Saturday afternoon. Is this the most must-winniest of must-win games for Malaga so far against a team who have been famously tough to break down at times this season. And speaking of tough to get past, here are two people who don't let any Malaga analysis or news get by them without running the rule over it first. It is indeed my Cast co-hosts, Alex Ashmore, and rejoining us after a week off is Chris Marquez, not Crick Marquez. So, Chris, how are you after your week off? I'm doing very well. I have to say, when I played football, I played as a right-back. Okay. And I always had the same strategy as here on the podcast. Nobody goes past me. Or I would take the ball, or I would take the ball and I would take the player down. Okay. Those um, were the only ways. So are you saying that uh, me and Alex and, you know, when we have guests on, you want to take us down? Depends. <laughs> I'm confused. Um, nice metaphor, nonetheless. But um, It depends if you're getting in my way or not. Okay. But aren't we trying to get past you if we're the attackers? Aren't we trying to put top-class podcast analysis in the back of the net and you're saying, no, I'm going to stop that top-class analysis and I'm going to uh, phone a Spanish restaurant in Manchester? Well, let's say that, as I remember, we play on the same team. We do. True. So, so now, so does this mean we're ganging up on any guests we have now? Yes. Okay. So, so th- thank you, everyone that's joined us on the Gary Cast. Um, you're not welcome anymore unless you're willing to take us on. Um. Okay. So Chris is our right back. Uh, Alex Ashmore. Do I dare say you're our big man up front, mm. or or what? <laughs> He's the goalie. I'd like to think I'd do a better job than Fran Sol. <laughs> um, the guy is uh, 50 metres high. He's, yeah. he's definitely a goalie. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, either either a striker or maybe a centre-back. Uh, I'm a bit too slow for that. <laughs> okay, so does that put me as like the schemer in the middle trying to, trying to desperately to hold things together? <laughs> yeah, you'll be, I guess... Alex Fabas slash okay. I don't know maybe Undiaye of the team. Okay, I don't I don't know which one I'd rather there. Alex Fabas does a lot of running and doesn't really get the result he wants a lot, so that that's probably quite fair. Where <laughs> I, do I, we put Nick? If I last what I want to say, I don't want him to be left out. Uh, uh, oh, it's quite mean. It's, it's not mean. I don't know what's, what's the word. It's quite rude to talk about it without him being here. Should we say we've got two defenders? Um, Let's let's chuck him up front. Let's put him in the Ruben Castro role as a we we just play. You know, I played the ball into him. He's pretty trustworthy to just smash it in the net with uh, some 
some sort of efficient analysis of Malaga's recent game or game coming up. So Nick, I, I don't know if he will like that comparison to 41-year-old Ruben Castro, who's not scoring much, but that's uh, that's where he's been placed for now. Um, lo- lovely, lovely chat there. Um, less lovely chat here. Uh, we're going to look at the like latest transfer news at Malaga, but we'll talk about what's going on with uh, Lumo first. Um, we signed him uh, October, I think. I've certainly, that's when he started being in the squad a little bit. Um, it's gone sour very quickly, Chris Marquez. Yes. Um, he came two weeks late from the little Christmas break um, because of bureaucracy in Ghana, he said. But then he arrived, he came back, and the next week he didn't train because he was ill. So that upsets Pepe Mel a bit because Pepe Mel said in his press conference, um, a dressing room has several rules um, and ways to live together. And um, he's not fulfilling them. So he's not a... He, he basically said, at this moment, Lou Moore is dead to me. He doesn't exist. Pretty much, yeah. There's, uh, that, that that, seemed... that's, that's what he said. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. When he's fit, we will count on him again, but I think... And the press thinks that Malaga is looking for a way out for Lumor. Yeah, and like you said, I weren't sure if I lost some of the nuances of what he meant in, in the translation. Um, but it sounded pretty forceful to me. It didn't, I, like... It doesn't sound like he has any chance of coming back in. Um, no. It sounds like, I don't know, it, it sounds like the dressing room's turned on him a bit or there's some sort of issue there as well. I don't know. I'm merely speculating, but that seemed to be what I got from this. Uh, Alex, we saw his debut, I think. I think it was his first start anyway, at uh, Cartagena away in the at the start of November. <laughs> We we thought he did all right in that game, um, but are you going to cry if Lumo does not play for Malaga again? No, I to be honest, <laughs> kind of forgot he was here. Um, saw something, I guess maybe it was just someone running around a bit more than the rest of them in the first game, and you know I thought he, he played all right, but haven't really seen much of him since. So I guess can't really make a full judgment on him, but I don't think I'd lose any sleep if he left. Yeah, to be honest with you, I'd sort of forgotten he was here as well. Um, he he did play, I think he played left back in one game at home as well, and I seem to remember him playing okay. But yes, he's not uh, he's not set the world alight at La Rosaleda. Um, a couple of other little bits of transfer news, maybe not as much as previous weeks. I don't think this is confirmed yet, but it does look like Danny Lorenzo is going to go out on loan. Um, Ade Merida being mentioned, where um, David Larubia is already on loan. Chris, do you think that's a good loan move or not? Um, I'm not really sure. I think can we we can use Danny Lorenzo, right? Yeah. So so why let him go somewhere else? Yes, I, I think it. It sort of when I saw it today initially, I thought, okay, he's not playing much. That makes sense, but then when I thought about it after, I was like, "Well, we, you know, we're not we're not winning. We need to we need to try and find a solution, and maybe he could help with that solution." Like I think he scored and played well in that game. We beat Lugo three two at home when we were three nil up, and he was good in that game. 
And I could maybe understand it a little bit if Ramon was fit and you're like, okay, he's not going to get in. He's not going to take Ramon's place. But Ramon is pretty much injured all the time. That seems to be he's competing with. I'm like, well, yeah, I agree. It's a funny one for me. What about you, Alex? Yeah, I think uh, obviously we've, we've had, you know, we've seen a few youngsters come through and I think he's one of the ones that's shown some sign of promise. I just think, yeah, whether it's to, to get him off the salary books, whether Merida will be paying any of his wages while he's on loan there, that's something that we'd, we'd have to wait and see. But yeah, I don't know whether it's to make room or to, to free up salary space to, to get him playing more football or if Mel just doesn't think he's ready to play first-team football. I, I, it's a weird one. Um, I think he'd be better served staying and I feel like he does offer something to the first-team. Yes, yeah, I seem to remember, actually. Wasn't it when we went to watch us play Fuen Labrada away and like Danny, oh, was it was a bit before that, where like Danny Lorenzo was going to be our saviour. We seem to have these young players that come in, have two or three good games, we proclaim them our saviour and then they get injured or, or fall off. Um, we need to stop. Was do- it um, Wesker last season? That sounds right. Tell you what it was. I think when we played Fuen Labrada, we were all in love with Caro at the time, or Caro. Yeah. yeah. I think <laughs> we, have, we have Victor Olmo, Andres Caro. Yeah. Um, the high time is injured. Yeah. Then Ju- there is. Tell you what, Juan de has stood the test of time. He, although he's had injuries, we praised him and he's stayed with us and been good. Luis Munoz. Yeah, true. He's he's not quite. He's never really had a proper run of brilliance. As he's always injured or or dropped as he is at the moment. Kevin, yeah. there I say. Kevin. Yeah. Well, we had another guy at the start of the season who recovered yep. from his injury. Yes, Christian, who didn't Christian. come on on the weekend, did he? But he was on the bench, which was good to see. He was on the bench. Yeah. So we have enough, enough, or a lot of Musa. Don't forget about Musa. Yeah. Isa Fomba. Isa yeah. It's, we've got a good team of youth players. It's, uh, it's, maybe that's why we bought all these old players in the summer to try and add a bit of experience. And that's uh, not gone too well, has it? Um, so, yeah, we don't know. I, I don't think it's finalised. Um, and I don't even know if it's going to be Merida. That's the team that's been mentioned the most, I notice. So we'll see by the end of the week if that happens. Um, I suppose it's good that he's playing with uh, a fellow Malaga player in David Larubia and maybe good for them to get experience in the lower leagues uh, ahead of next season, maybe. But no, we won't well, be Larubia is really killing it in the uh, I've heard, in yes. Yes, I've heard so- it. And Merida, is Merida sort of northwest of Madrid? Isn't that quite a nice city? Or my I, I, nice city. Yeah, it's a Spanish city. All Spanish cities are nice, really. Um, well, <laughs> most of them. Um, okay, one other little bit of news. And again, I don't know if this is mentioned in a loan or a uh, full transfer. Uh, Fran Sol's names started cropping up a lot um, with him being talked about leaving the club. Um, are, are we surprised about that? No, no. It's. I think it's clear that Pepe Mel doesn't really see a great striker in Fransol, so it makes total sense. Does uh, Does Chris Marquez see a good striker in Fransol? It's hard to say. I think it's a good player, but 
he doesn't give will, he won't give us the amount of goals we need and he doesn't seem to be it, he would be a good striker if it would team up really well with Ruben Castro hmm. but that doesn't seem to happen either so I agree I'd agree with that um I I, I think I sort of joked um, after the first couple of months of Kaya Quintana 2.0, and I think that's... Yes. But dare I say, I think Kaya Quintana <coughs> had a little bit more of an impact, um, I guess, but that might have just been because he played more, I don't know. But uh, Alex, would you agree with uh, uh, Chris's diagnosis there? Yeah, he's obviously not a bad player, but I think he's been nothing short of awful since he's been at Malaga and... I don't know whether that's just he doesn't sit, fit, fit the style. He's going through a bad patch of form. He's you know past his prime. You know, yeah, I think um, I think Guede Guede seemed to like him a little bit more, didn't he? I think since Guede's gone, yeah. that's been it. I think yeah. I don't know whether he's just maybe he's just not up for it. I don't know. You know, sometimes players fall off of, of you know where they were and I don't know whether it's just the environment it could be just needs a change of environment but just clearly it doesn't seem to be working at Malaga unfortunately because I think we we could there could still be a player in there somewhere yeah and we like him as well don't we because he, he sort of seemed to embrace the local area and I'm sure lots of our players do as well but uh he seemed to I don't know from his social media and stuff seemed to enjoy it down here so yeah, it's just, I, I agree with what you've both said. I just, for whatever reason, it's just not worked out. And, you know, that happens in football sometime. I don't think it's through lack of effort. And I think on the pitch, he's trying. It's just, yeah, it's just not clicking for him or with the club. I don't know. Um, but there is a problem. Because he's on loan from a certain club in a certain country. Yes. Where's the where's where war is going on? There is because indeed. he's a pro player of Dynamo Kiev. Yes. So I'm not sure how things will be done because I don't see him going back to Kiev. Well, I don't. I don't think. Um, I, I can't remember. I'm sure, isn't it? Like some sort of rule, he can't go back. I, I can't remember. Or if it, it's the I'm other, not sure. or it's the other way round, where like there is a a sort of. There is something in the Ukrainian league, I believe, where if you're a foreign player in Ukraine, there is like a loophole in their contracts now where if they want to leave, they can just leave. So I suppose if we said we don't want Franz Sol anymore, he technically wouldn't have to go back to Kiev. And then I don't know how it works from there. Um, I'm just checking. Is he definitely still at Kiev, though? Yes, yes, yes. I'm unsure because I, I knew, I thought that's where we got him from. I just wanted to double check myself because I knew he was at uh, Ibar from Kiev. And actually, speaking yeah. of Fransol, it was quite nice, I suppose, on the weekend to hear the Ibar fans give him a bit of a cheer. That was quite nice. Yeah. I thought, you know, I was a bit frustrated at the time because we were losing. But uh, yeah, so. As, I think, a, as a person, he's a great person with oh. a, a big character who... Crazy. has a lot on his plate during his life. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. I wrote a Sometimes book about it. It just doesn't work out. Yeah. And that's just that's not just football, that is any sort of career or job, I guess, isn't it? We can all move somewhere and it not work out. Um so just quickly last thing on the news. I don't I don't know if you guys want to add something after I I say this bit. Definitely. But, okay, let me just finish this bit then. Uh there's the other little bit of news just before we recorded. Uh, Malaga's next game at home, which uh, sorry, after 
the game against um, Burgos this coming weekend. Two weeks after that, we play Oviedo on a Friday night. And I honestly can't remember if I've been to a Friday night game because they have happened since I've been here. But I know one, <coughs> I was in Morocco when we played on a Friday night. And I feel like I missed another one as well. So I think it might be the first time I've been to a Friday night game at La Rosaleda, um, assuming I make it to this one. So I thought I'd throw that in there. So go on, Chris. You said definitely. What do you want to talk about? I have big news. Go for it. Just arrived. Last week, we recorded the 119th normal episode of the Cost. Last week... We signed a certain player from a certain country. Well, from a certain country where we didn't have a player from before. Okay. In the 119 years of existence of professional football in Malaga. Oh, that's quite nice. Nice link. Nice link. That is lovely stuff. Um yeah, it's it's all it's all, I don't know, I'm trying to read something more. It's something almost cosmic about that, that it all uh, fitted into place. Um, well, there's something more coming. Okay. Because there is news on both the player and us, which come together very perfectly. We are having Arvin Opia on the Geary Coast. Whoop whoop! Should we ask? Uh, should we ask Arvin? In the upcoming weeks. Should we ask Arvin Appiah, um what player he thinks he most uh, he most sees in himself in the Malaga team? <laughs> we have the first English player anytime soon on the Giri Coast with us. We're going to ask him questions like. <laughs> Do what you prefer breakfast? Yeah, that's Do literally what I was about to say. <laughs> Do you prefer um, Spanish or English breakfast? What do you think about King Charles? About, I don't know. I'm sure we'll think of a nicer collection of uh, relevant and insightful questions as yes. well as your... Um, I think we'll definitely ask him, do you prefer Spanish or English breakfast? That's got to be um, Hopefully we don't get him in trouble and he says, oh, I like a big greasy spoon breakfast. <laughs> Because <laughs> you can certainly no. get them on the Costa del Sol. There are plenty of English bars down here for people to do that. Um, yes, looking forward to that. That should be really good. Um, we haven't had a play. Alex, does that make Arvin Apia your favourite Malaga player now? The fact that you're from the same country as him. Actually, yeah, because I, I don't think I really have a favourite Malaga player at the moment. Usually you do. I mean, obviously I could pick one, but... Yeah, I guess, Arvin, you're, you're my new favourite Malaga player. Welcome to the club. Wow, but what, what a moment for Arvin Appiah. This. I'm actually, when yeah. you were saying that, I was trying to think who my favourite Malaga player is. It's, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't yours play in Portugal still? Yeah, he's still, I'm, actually, I'm actually wearing the shirt now. <laughs> That's pure coincidence. It's a really comfy shirt, my uh, Gil Vicente. Um, hope He still seems to be playing over there and doing okay, so... Um, keep it up, Kevin, and we'll see you next season, hopefully. Um, I like Ramon the most, I think, but he just doesn't play enough. Um, yeah, I'll think about I that. I don't have a favourite player. I, I really, really, really... Well, I don't know if I really, really like him. I just think Juan Day is absolutely brilliant. Um, I think Fabos is, is brilliant. Yes. I, I saw Maybe I enjoy 
watching Fabos the most. Yeah, me too at the moment, actually. I think, I think I've said on here he is probably my player of the season by uh, quite a distance still. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you who is in the running for my favourite player. I'm very much enjoying the new Fran Vialba. I, that's the sort of player yeah. I like watching. So if he can put a few games together like this, he, he may, he may take my, um, my heart. Um, okay. We've talked about some players who we quite like at Malaga. Um, some of them played this past weekend. So let's go and talk about that game against Ibar from Sunday afternoon. So Malaga headed towards the top of Spain to face the team who are now back top of the league again after beating Malaga this past weekend. Eibar are obviously a quality team at this level, but Malaga did give them a very good game, especially in the second half. But let's go back to the start of the game and, well, before the game and look over Malaga's starting 11 for this match. And I think, Alex, it's sort of how we predicted on the podcast last week. Very few changes apart from Gennaro was obviously out. So Endaye came in and Burgos came in for Escassi at centre-back. Um, are we happy to keep the rest of the team, Alex? Yeah, I think it was more or less, like you said, what we predicted slash pretty similar. Um I think nice to see Vialva go again. I think Ndiaye playing was the right decision. Burgos playing, well, I guess, turned out to be not a bad decision. Um, but yeah, I think fairly nothing too surprising in that starting 11. Any uh, issues with the starting 11, Chris? I question, well, if I look to the incoming transfers, then I do. Okay, this is. I was going to bring this point up, so I'm going to see if you make the same point I was going to make. Not uh, because the players who started in the eleven, but the formation. Okay. Like why? Why did we get these players? Is it for when we are losing, so we can bring them on to change the whole formation, and then uh, play with two wingers? Yes. Or are we going to change our formation to play from the start with Opia and Lago Junior? Yes. That's uh, the question. I don't really see well, why I, we got these players if we start again with playing without wingers. Okay, I, I guess the way I would look at that, and again, I don't know if it's Pepe Mel's thinking or not, uh, I think we maybe wanted to start this game with what we knew and, you know, we've been pretty solid in general over the last few, um, you know, match days and maybe see what happens when we introduce these two wingers. And I'm sure we'll talk about their performance later and perhaps, you know. So if we are very solid the way we play, are wingers what we need? Good question. Um, Because I suppose looking at this game in hindsight now, um, we, we've sung his praises quite a lot, certainly before uh, the winter break, but Pablo Chavarria out on the right wing is starting to look a little bit like it's not working anymore, um, even even though it only worked for maybe a couple of games. So I would, you know, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I'd be interested to see 
who comes in for him in the next game, maybe. And I personally think it will be one of our two new signings. I don't know which one, but I think one of them will replace him. That's my general feeling on this. Uh, just quickly, the other thing I was going to mention, um, when the lineup was announced, I realised I didn't really know who the captain was going to be. And I think Javi Jimenez might have had it before. I can't remember. But um, are we happy with Javi Jimenez being captain? Because, you know, Pepe Mel has dropped him a couple of times. and you know, he I, that- I think Pepe Mel has, or not Pepe Mel, Javi Jimenez should focus on the, on his match hmm. more than on everything not being him on the pitch. I totally agree. Because I, I think he's, you know, he plays with a lot of lot of heart and passion, and you like to see that from a captain. Uh, for me, when I was looking at the the starting eleven, the the obvious candidate for me, and I might be, I don't know if you'd agree with this. I, I think Juan Day would be an excellent captain. Yes, but I think Javi Jimenez should mainly focus on himself. Yeah, and would not you, so much on being a captain. Would you agree with that, Alex? Yeah, I think you know it would have been much better off seeing someone like maybe Alfred Ndiaye as captain or Pablo Sarabia, Ruben Castro, just someone, yeah, not Javi Jimenez, I think. Okay. Um, so the other one we should mention in the start in 11, um, not for us, is Yanis uh, Romani was starting for Eibar. So I'm guessing that transfer is not going to happen now, Chris. He looks pretty settled again at Eibar. That, that transfer wasn't going to happen at the beginning, of, wow. at the end of November, when he started playing for Eibar <laughs> and he started counting for them. I, I, I he guess. He became a, a, I, an important player for Eibar. I guess what I should have said there is that rumour is dead and buried more than that transfer going to happen. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I sort of thought so, but, it, you know, um, he seemed to get a good reception from Malaga fans there and, I don't know, Malaga fans on social media and things like that again. Uh, Chris, I'm going to come... i would written down a quote from our WhatsApp group from you to start with because Malaga were pretty slow out of the blocks in this game and you yes. described in the 20th minute, you described our performance as like a Ferrari racing someone walking. Um, yes. Okay, so what was going... We were outran through the whole first half, which is fine because Abra uh, didn't score. But that's what it looked like to me. Yes, I'd agree. No, the first, I think, um, uh, like Alex, you, I think you put on the WhatsApp group as well, the uh, the first 20 minutes or so, because uh, Nick missed the first 20 minutes or so, and he joined the WhatsApp, or he messaged in the WhatsApp group, what have I missed? And you said, nothing, it's really boring. And um, yeah, we looked really... I didn't think it was boring. No, me neither. I was going to come to that because I didn't think it was that boring after the... I thought the first 20 minutes were slow, but I think the game was quite good after that. But... From Malaga's side, but Avar played at a, at a high pace the first mm. 20 minutes. Definitely. I, I'll so just... is it boring? No, it, it's not boring. It's just not what we want to see. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, for us, it's it's irritating more than boring, maybe. Um, yeah. I just want to... Ha- I, I made a note of this because um, I was watching the game at home. Uh, so I had my little notepad next to me. I did my... Uh, my favourite note I made in in the first five minutes, there was a ball played... <laughs> I don't know if you guys noticed this. There was a ball played down the right wing and it was going across to, like, Ruben Castro... 
And instead of putting his foot on it, he thought, I'm going to let it run across my body and then I'm going to sprint down the ring, wing after it. And he did that. And then he remembered, ah, yeah, I'm 41. I can't sprint <laughs> down the wing after it. And I thought, ah, oh, this, that summed up our first 20 minutes for me. Uh, Alex, uh, do, do you have any comment on how Malaga started the game? Like you said, you thought it was quite boring. Yeah, I, I think, you know, fairly uneventful and, you know, Ibar were definitely the def- the better team, but I think it's, you know, just, it, it seemed quite, I guess, pinball for the first 20 minutes, sort of nothing really happening in the final third. Uh, well, every time we got the ball to the to their half, we lost it. Yeah, yeah. I think, and yeah. I think that's the story for the rest of the game. Really, we obviously did have our moments where we played okay, but I think generally in the final third we were pretty shocking. Whether that came down to the final pass or the shot, yeah, totally. I think uh, I think Ruben Castro was not very good in this game, and uh, Chavaria was not very good in this game either. I think I think actually our midfield played okay and and did pretty good at getting the ball forward. And like you said, Alex, there's, I think I was going to mention it when we come to the, the second half a little bit more, but I, I just made a note of that. Uh, we're really, really bad at long balls. I noticed <laughs> where, where you think, Oh, we've got Chavarillo is quite big and, you know, Ruben Castro isn't, but every time we aim for him, it just goes nowhere near him. Um, and we, and obviously we play when we played, uh, who did we just play at home? I forgot. And Tenerife, um, we played some lovely passing football in that game, and I do think that's the way we need to go. And I think we slowly switched to that style in this game. Um, we did have chances, though. We should say in that opening bit, I'd argue the better chances. Uh, we had that Chavaria header, which came from a really, really lovely pass from Fran Alba, And then we had that Ndaye sort of shot, which I can't remember. Was that before or after the goal, actually? That might have been after, wasn't it? Mm, the Chavaria header? No, the Ndaye shot. That was after. That uh, was after, wasn't it? So yeah, I've, I've written it before here, but I didn't. I didn't think that he was right. Huge scored a goal. Yes, he did. Well, well, we'll come to his other chance maybe shortly. So let tell you what. Let, let's go to the A bar goal then. <laughs> oh God, poor Hosebed. He gets a battering on this podcast, and I don't think he's going to get any uh, respite this week. Um, I will say I'll give him a tiny little bit of defence. To start with, I think no, it was a no, well. No, let, let me let me just get this in first. It was a pretty no. poor kick out from goal from Yanez, I thought. But yes, the the header was. I don't know what what, what do you want to say, Chris? I think I have said enough about Josebet during the past months. I can't don't, don't just don't understand why he he's on the pitch. Why would you put him on the pitch for what? What does he bring? He doesn't bring anything. He got an assist. Like nothing. <laughs> he's just there. Now he also makes mistakes, but when he's on the pitch, he, I don't see him. He doesn't contribute. Not attacking, not defending, not defensively. What the hell on earth is Josabet doing on the pitch? I don't know. Yeah, to be honest I'm with you. Asking. I'm lying in my bed every night asking myself. Pepe, why Pepe? Yeah. Why so bad, Pepe? Please. Why? <laughs> and then I try to think the reason why. But there isn't a reason why. We yeah, we should we should perhaps add for those that haven't seen the goal, essentially uh 
Um, we we took uh, we kicked it out from Yanez kicked it out. Um, Josebed facing our own goal decides to header it. I think to our defender. I think it was Burgos completely misplaces the header and puts Stoichkov through on goal who to be fair to him absolutely rifles the shot in um it was like Risto Stoichkov-esque the way it hit the post and flew in but yes uh we... you, you remember that Malaga wanted to was close to oh, sign uh, Stoichkov I know I know but then Malaga decided not to well I don't know if you saw I, I shared the like uh the result on my Instagram story or something. And my brother messaged me saying he was quite disappointed to find out that there was no relation to Stoichkov. And I did say to him, oh, he's a bit of a Segunda uh, legend these past few years in goal scoring stakes, at least. And then I did think to myself, and I said, oh, Malaga wanted to buy him. I thought, oh, how cool would it have been to have Stoichkov on the back of my Malaga shirt? But uh, it wasn't to be, and I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Um, Alex, any comments on this goal? Oh God! <laughs> um, yeah, just shocking all round, really. Um, uh, I think it would have been better if he wasn't even on the pitch. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. Did we prefer Hosebed when he was invisible? Yeah, well, I I think he was better. No, not better. He was better off the pitch, but I think he served more use to the team when he was injured. Yeah, be- um, It'd be interesting to see as well now, because obviously, um, again, going back to that Cartagena game we were at, Alex, that um, Javi Jimenez got hung out to dry for that back pass, which led to Burgos getting sent off, and he got dropped for the next game. So, you know, Pepe Mel should really be doing the same here. I'd argue this was more of a, you know, more destructive back pass because it played them through on goal to score. So, um, If it's better to start with 10 players... Or if it's better to start with 10 players and close a bit. That, that's the question I have because I have no idea what the guy does. Well, even going back to um, our discussion in the intro, Danny Lorenzo, I think, does more of a job than Jose. Well, definitely. I don't, you know, I don't think that's an outlandish statement to make at all. It's, uh, it's an obvious, it's obvious for me he's better than Jose Bed. But uh, I don't know, maybe it was that one week where we give him some praise and maybe Pepe Mel's listened and gone, oh, they like him, but we just want to reiterate, we, we really don't, Pepe Mel. Please stop it. <laughs> it is not working out. And he, yeah, like you said, he doesn't really offer anything going forward either. He's, uh, yeah, Fran Vialba, I guess, is the player playing closest to him. Seems to be doubling up because he seems to be popping up everywhere and in places where I think Josebed should be. Um yeah, I think, yeah, awful goal. And I think we'd contained a good, you know, the Ibar team who are, uh, I believe, have the best home record in the league. And I thought we'd contained them pretty well up until then. Um, obviously, they'd had a couple of openings, but nothing solid. So, again, another good Malaga defensive performance. But again, another performance which adds a mistake on top of it, which, again, and when we seem to give away mistakes... We get punished all the time, which you that's football, I guess. Um, just quickly, um, I don't think we need to talk about it too much, but I thought I'd just highlight. Uh, did, did you guys notice that weird yellow card for Burgos before halftime? <laughs> Where he got, the ref told him he'd elbowed their player when, uh, I think it was like a, a free kick to us and Burgos was 
nowhere near the guy and or didn't elbow him. Was, he was very, very angry and um, chased him down the tunnel. I didn't see that. It was really odd. <laughs> Is uh, He went up for a header with two of their defenders. He jumped higher than them, fell on the floor. And then when he was getting himself up off the floor, the ref booked him and he was like, what? And I think one of the players sort of fell over and the ref said, oh yeah, you elbowed him a little bit. And it was right on half time. So um, I thought Burgos might get himself sent off because he was really, really not letting it go. Um, but anyway, I just thought it was an odd one. Um, I think it's fair to say we started the second half much better and generally played uh, better in that second half. Um, I think you touched upon it already, Chris, uh, we started well and Alfred Ndai had another chance where the ball came across the six-yard box and he, I don't know, swung his left foot at in, swung his left foot over the ball. Um, yeah, <laughs> he scored that goal in the cup before Christmas. That was definitely not a floodgates opening for him, judging from his finishing in this game. Um, but I suppose the exciting part for us was the introduction of Largo Jr. So... Chris, we'll start with Larko Jr. What was his, uh, how was his debut for Malaga and what sort of impact did he have on the performance? I think he had a pretty good um, debut. I think um, <clears throat> for first match or first start at Malaga, he brought some uh, sparkle to the ground. Definitely. Um, yeah, because he, he, he's, I guess... It's the one thing I think I said in the first few weeks of the season, we just want someone to run fast at defenders and Christian's done that to an extent, but I don't think he's explosive. And Largo Jr., I'm not saying he's absolutely explosive because he's he's over 30 now, but he was certainly running at them and stretching them and I think he made a huge difference, actually. Uh, What about you, Alex? Yeah, I think it's just nice to see, and I don't know whether this is just, you know, first game you're going to be fired up, but it's just nice to see some impetus. And, you know, I, I, obviously we did score, but I, I think if we were going to get a second, it was going to come from from maybe one of those two, but probably him more more than anyone. Um, I just think, well, obviously he's, he's had experience in uh, Meadow, but I think, you know, hopefully he can bring some of that to Segunda and drag us out of this mess that we're in. Actually, and he almost did score as well, didn't he? He ran in the box and I think Ruben Castro played him and he sort of, it was a bit of a tight angle, but he got a shot off. And actually, I think the goalie made a, um, Lucas Zidane made a pretty good save to stop him, um, sort of down at his feet, but showed like, you know, just opening things up and, you know, having that pass available definitely made a difference. I think our substitutions were all pretty good, actually. Uh, Luis Munoz came on for Ferbas again. Ferbas no criticism of his performance, but just run himself into the ground again. Uh, Alex Gayar came on for Castro, um, Fransol for Chavaria, but then we'll talk about our other new boy. Um, Apia came on for Vialba. Uh, I, I might be wrong, Chris, but judging from certain messages you put in our WhatsApp group, I think he excited you a little bit more than Largo Jr. No, both. Okay. Both, both excited me. Okay. Maybe... Apia more because he didn't count for Tenerife and everybody was so so Negative. not happy with his signing. Yeah, Lago Junior is a great player, but maybe not for Primera <laughs> División. But everybody criticized uh, Apia, the signing of Apia, 
And even the Tenerife fans where he played before Malaga also criticized Apia a lot. So yeah. I think it surprised me more that what he brought on the pitch than Lago Jr. because I expected it more from Lago Jr. Yeah, fair point. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, <clears throat> he certainly got stuck in and he was only on the pitch for 10 minutes, but he was whizzing about the place. He was taking players on. There was stepovers. There was, yeah, he was good fun to watch. Did, did you enjoy um, Arvin Appiah's debut, Alex? I did. And, you know, like Lago Jr., I think just showing signs of promise and, you know, uh, if he, he's got a little bit of pace in him, that's what we need. Uh, I still think we're lacking an out-and-out goal scorer, whether one of those two can be that goal scorer, yet to be seen. But positive remarks only, really. Yeah, definitely. And um, we'll perhaps mention something about him at the end. Um, we should say we did get the ball in the net. Um Luis Munoz, um, with a great finish, I thought, from the edge of the box, where he just smashed it in off the bar. Um, but Fransol was marginally offside, you know, in this VAR world. I guess it was the right decision. Um, it was a bit frustrating for me, I, though, because we talked about when we played Tenerife, how many shots we had at the edge of the box and skied them into Rose Ed and all that stuff. And I thought this was going to be the same, but Luis Munoz got, you know, got over it really well and smashed it in and, it's a bit of a shame they got ruled out, really. And we could have done with someone doing that in that Tenerife game uh, the match week before. But uh, we did get the ball in the net legitimately not long after. 89th minute equaliser, rightly celebrated enthusiastically. Unlikely goal scorer as well. Esteban Burgos with a lovely volley, which, you know, admittedly did take a deflection, but he caught it brilliantly. Um, great goal, Chris. Great goal. But what happened afterwards was a massacre. I feel I felt great. I felt mistreated by the world. I felt like someone stabbed me in the back with the biggest knife ever. A real big, big knife. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. Um yeah, so, so anyway, we'll move on really quickly. There's a there's a bit we've just deleted from there, which uh, um, I, it was quite nice though. Well, no, it, it wasn't. We, I, I, for the first time ever, I've had to do some editing and censor Chris Marquez, which uh, um, yeah, let, let's you know get our blooper podcast at the end of the year. Although I don't think I can put on the blooper podcast anyway. Um, moving on very quickly. Oh, Alex, do you have anything to add on the goal? And please be. Uh, uh, sound for podcast, please. <laughs> do it, Alex. Do it. Talking, I forgot which goal we're talking about. Um, well, well, we'll tell you what we didn't. Um, Chris decided to like go. Oh, Burgos scored a good goal, but then he give his uh, his speech. <laughs> we'll say. Um, yeah. No, I think I said to you earlier. I was, you know, quite elated when we equalised, and then uh, minutes later, I was a few expletives flying out of my mouth, and my roommate turned around to me and said, "Oh, did 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 you score?" Or so again, no. They 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 let me down again, Malaga. Um, it almost felt a bit of a blur, really. I sort of I was celebrating slash waiting for a tweet to come out from Malaga, and then they'd scored again. So I was yeah. like, Did uh, it feel like? Um... No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> looking I, at face. quite disappointed that we couldn't hold on to that because you know, I don't know, just felt like it, it would have. We, I don't think we deserved a point, but you know, when you steal a point like really? that in a situation, 
You don't no, think we I, deserve the point? Yeah, yeah, we deserve the point. I thought I we were the better team second half. I, I, I agree with Matt. We deserve the point. I, I think we we had I think we had the better chances in the first half too. I think they didn't really I don't think they carved us open and obviously we carved ourselves open for our first goal and then just really stupid off a corner, which we've been pretty good at defending recently and it was so easy and, and to be honest with you, I, I could just feel it coming. Like as soon as I saw they got a corner, I thought, here we go. And yeah. Yeah, it felt it felt like having a big knife stabbed in my back. That's all I'm gonna say. Um a okay. knife? Yes, just um Moving on. <laughs> oh, and also the other thing I wanted to mention there, I don't know if you guys saw they put the they put the camera on Pepe Mel just after the Ibar scored their second and he did look like he was gonna cry, bless him, and I felt really sorry for him. But uh uh maybe we can talk a bit more about Pepe Mel in the next section. Um just before we do Chumbo and Biznag, I think I said to you guys um before we were recording i read an amazing stat on twitter and you can hear me typing now because i wrote the stat down yeah i've got it um but i didn't write down who tweeted it it's from a uh, david pecon um does a lot of Malaga tweets or pecon um he tweeted uh this weekend was malaga's 100th defeat in their history in the second division and do you know, oh, sorry, sorry, let me guess right. It's the 100th defeat in the second division. 53 of those have come since October 2019. That's some dire reading, that is. <laughs> do, you wanna, do you know what makes it even more dire? In August 2019, I moved to, <laughs> to Marbella. So I, think it might be, so I think it might be me. It, I am getting punished for something I've done in a past life here. Um, do you do you think um, that says a lot about the sports director of Malaga? Good point. Yeah, because that's around. He came in around January, February, didn't he? I think yes. that's when he got promoted. He was at the club before, wasn't he? But uh, but yeah, like and again, I think we've had this conversation on here before. That since we started this podcast, I guess there was only really those couple of months under Jose Alberto Lopez when we were really good at home that we've sort of had things to talk about which are fun. It's been pretty bleak otherwise, even when we I were... think, basically, since we started this podcast, it all feels wrong. Mm. Yeah. On the pitch. I guess when we did start it, though, we were pretty much on our way down and we sort of recovered, so that was good. Um, uh, I was going to say, I guess next year, we could be the only English-language podcast about a third division Spanish club. Oh, actually, we might even be the only one in the second division. I think about it, but um, a part, you know, club podcast, not, you know, obviously as our friends over at Spanish Segunda, but uh, yeah. Um, anyway, just thought I'd throw that stat out there that's uh, quite bleak reading. Uh, let's go Chumbo and Biznaga then. Let's let's stick with the bleakness. Uh, Chumbo, I'm giving it to Horsebed, um for reasons we've discussed on many podcasts before. Uh Chris, anyone different? Close of it. Okay. I don't think we need to talk about this anymore. No. Alex, anyone different? No, it's a, a triple this week for Jose Yeah, Sorry, lad. Um, but you're just not very No, good. no, sorry. No, okay. No, sorry. Yeah, true. I, I, I take that sorry back. Sort it out, Jose Uh Biznaga then. Uh, this is a little bit tricky, I thought, but I've got a couple. I've sort of got names written down. I've not quite decided on mine. Um, so I'm going to go to you first, Alex. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think you could obviously put a nod towards Burgos for getting a goal. I think he was fairly solid at the back. I thought Juan De wasn't too bad. You know, the midfield was okay. I think Vialba showed some promise in Indiaye. But yeah, it's hard to pick this out. I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably go Burgos just because he got the goal. Uh, and, you know, I think he was fairly solid at the back, you know, given that Abar are a strong team going forward. Yeah, he's one of the names I've got written down. The names I wrote down essentially were Fairbass and Vialba. I thought were both similar to, you know, both good, like they were in the Tenerife game. Uh, Burgos I wrote down. And then the two boys that came on, Appiah and Lago Jr., as sort of honourable mentions. I'm probably, just for, because um, I was a little bit worried that Fran Vialba had that really good game and he might disappear again. And I thought in this game, he started a bit quiet, but really came into it. So, oh, am I, no, to be honest with you, I'm going to go with you, Alex. I'm going to give it to Esteban Burgos because I thought we were defensively really good. And especially, we didn't talk about this, but... Juan Day got a book in pretty early on as well. And, you know, he had to take it because they were breaking forward. So to hold them with him on a book in, Esteban Burgos had that ridiculous book in for half time <clears> and <throat> they looked solid. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Burgos too and for the goal. Uh, Chris, anyone different? I'm going with Esteban Burgos as well. Cool. Because I don't have a very clear player to pick this week. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. So there you go. I think that might be the first time ever we've had a clean sweep on both sides of Chumbo and Bisnag. They're just both scared for me to go in against me. Yes. You don't want me to take the guys down. I understand it. Well, we did say Burgos before. You're on the same team, so yeah. We are on the same team, yeah. Um, yes. Even though I've had to tell you off. I, I, as captain, I've had to tell you off in this part. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. <laughs> Okay, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right. Alex did back me up on that. There you go. Um, oh, you know, this is adding a touch of a uh, mystery to this podcast, but we are, so you, you, we'll never tell um, about Chris's. Uh, you can always send me a private message if, about, if about really Chris's Chris's choices of uh, similes this evening. It's it's very dark humor. Yes, too dark for very dark humor. Too dark for our innocent listeners. Um, very dark humor. Okay. Anyway. Uh, it is dark times at Malaga at the moment, and hopefully they can get better this weekend. So we were going to go and talk about our game against Burgos. We are saying it once again, but there are now a big few weeks ahead for Malaga. Starting with a home game against the formidable defence of Burgos Club de Football. It's going to be a tough game for Malaga, but performances are improving. But first, to give us the rundown on Burgos and about what might go down at La Rosaleda this coming weekend, we have Alex Fitzpatrick of the Spanish Segunda show to give us a short opposition preview. So please take it away for us, Alex. Malaga take on Burgos in La Rosaleda this weekend. Uh, and Burgos have been up there, the surprise package of the season in Segunda, really. And they're still up there in the top six, but they faltered a little bit of late. Uh, they won last weekend, but prior to that, they'd been four games in Segunda without a win. I think it was three defeats and, and a draw. Um, but back to winning ways against Andorra 2-1 last weekend, coming from 
behind. Uh, obviously, Burgos's strengths are, are kind of well known to everybody. The famous run at the beginning of the season with the the, the games uh, without conceding, and uh, in that sense, you have to say that their key player really is. Jose Antonio Caro uh, in goal, who Malaga only know that too well. I think it was match day two this season when uh, Malaga went away to El Plantillo and uh, had a couple of good opportunities. And it was that man, Caro, who uh, foiled them and uh, in the end, Burgos took away, took away the points from that one. So... Yes, he is their key player, but Burgos's strength really is their strength as a unit, as an eleven. Uh, no huge standout players, no centre forwards. They're actually looking for centre forward at the moment. No centre forward who's who's a real danger man who's going to bang in uh, the goals. Maybe say Alex Bermejo and Curro, who are the two wide men, are, are, are probably the, the danger men going forward. But their strength is in their solidity, and their solidity comes from playing. In in a block. Uh, sometimes that's that's with five at the back. Sometimes that's with four at the back. Um, but they will sit back. And uh, as as uh, the manager said earlier on this season, it's not about playing beautifully. It's about playing well. Uh, they'll defend well, and then they will break on the counter attack. So uh, expect Malaga to have a lot of the ball in this one. But beware on the turnover of the ball because they will spring an attack. Malaga hosting Burgos on Saturday. There you go. And thank you once again to Alex. And if you do want to get a more well-rounded, less Malagafied look at all things Spanish Segunda, please do go listen to the excellent Spanish Segunda show podcast hosted by Alex and Liam, who always give a... It's always a great show and covers all 22 clubs in Segunda. We're, we're going to stick with Malaga and Burgos for now. So, Alex, I, I don't think there is anything in there which your namesake said, which surprised us but uh, any thoughts off the back of uh, Alex Fitzpatrick's little preview there yeah I think obviously the result earlier on this season didn't go quite well uh, well it didn't, it didn't go very well for Malaga uh, I think Burgos have obviously shown that they're a strong team and you know they're pushing for to solidify a playoff place and yeah, it's, it's one of those teams you wouldn't expect to see up there at the end of the season, but uh, I'm happy for them and I'm glad they're doing well because, you know, they did, they've played some some very good football and like you said, not necessarily beautiful football, but football that works and gets you three points, which is all that matters at the end of the day. Something that, you know, I think Malaga, you know, uh, need to learn how to do because, you know, we, we discussed earlier, the long balls don't seem to be working. We play some nice football occasionally and it seems to come off okay. I hope we can move to to more of that because you know if we don't start getting points and we'll come on to this later, do we start looking at someone's job? I, I don't want to say that because I don't think we should, but I know some people will start asking that question. Yeah, um, sticking with uh, what Alex said, Chris. So. Uh, as in Alex Fitzpatrick. I hate having all these different Alexes and different Chrises and things like that, but sticking with what Alex Fitzpatrick said, uh, you know, Burgos's success is built on them being solid. Um, you could argue our downfall is built on us not being able to score goals. Uh, this doesn't look great on paper for us, Chris. I don't know. Okay. I think we were the better team against Burgos away. So... Let's be lucky. I believe in this Malaga, and my hopes are high. A full Rosaleda can 
the Burgos is not used to that to a full Rosaleda. True. Um, yeah, I think I think um, if I, I think I'm right in saying I think the Burgos game was our first game of the season. Actually, wasn't it? Yes. I think, I think it was number one, and then we played Las Palmas at home. So so we triggered the Jose Antonio Caro uh, super clean sheet run. But yeah, you're right. In that game, I think Ruben Castro, I seem to remember having a couple of chances and uh, and not really fluffing them because they were good saves. But so there was a sign of things to come from uh, Burgos there. Just quickly, you said about uh, the crowd at La Rosaleda, Chris. I've sort of been waiting to see a thing on Twitter about maybe a, a what do you call it, a recibimiento. Is, no? Is that not going to no. happen? Because I thought... This might There's be the time for a one. Pre-match drinking at the Bar Manos Madrid. Yes, <laughs> yeah, but I thought there might be a big sort of no, because uh, there's usually sort of one like three a you know a couple of season maybe, and I thought this might be the time to get us g'd up again. Now we've really been knocked down, but okay. I was just wondering if if there was any word of one. Um, I think. Alex, give us a, you know, as always, give us a really good lowdown on Burgos there. But uh, they have gone through a bit of a bad patch, I think Alex said in his piece there. They they hadn't won for four games until they won their last game, which was against Andorra. Um, we should mention as well, um, you know, we talked about their manager doing a really good job. Previous sort of guest on this podcast, Chris, Julian Calero, who left a message yes. to his son, Ivan Calero. So we we quite like him, I guess. I think he's a great coach. But just if you look at what he said at the beginning of the season, where um, Alex referred to of the Spanish Segunda podcast, um, is that you don't have to play beautiful. The important thing is winning. Yes. Well, yeah, we we would definitely take that because we're not we're not really doing either at the moment. I suppose we're playing a little bit better in the last few weeks, but uh, I wouldn't say it's beautiful. Um, just quickly, this is something I, I stumbled upon when I was just on the Wikipedia page because obviously the the headline act at Burgos, as we've said, is Jose Antonio Caro. Uh, their backup goalie is former Malaga goalie Danny Barrio, of course, who uh, obviously doesn't have a chance again in. Um, but I stumbled upon who their third goalie is. Um, their third goalie is Loic Badiashile, uh, who is the brother of recent Chelsea signing Benoit Badiashile, who was just signed to Chelsea for about 50, I think it was like 50 million euros from Monaco. I just <coughs> thought that was fun. Um Nice to see. And Jose Matos is there as well, but he doesn't seem to really be playing much. So I thought. Fun, just... fun thing to see Danny Barrio wanting to leave Malaga to be a first keeper at some club. And then he's the second keeper for Burgos, a but much then, smaller club than Malaga. But then, yeah, he ends up at, at Burgos, like you said, uh, historically a smaller club, but behind probably the best goalie in the league and, you know, a record breaking goalie. So bad yes. luck, bad luck, Danny. Um, yeah, so they, they've only conceded 13 goals this season as well, which is one less uh, than Las Palmas, who are the second, um, you know, the second least conceded. Um, but they're in the bottom half of the league for, like, goals scored. They've only scored 21 goals. So, you know, it is very much that defence which they rely on. Um, yeah, and, like, they were sort of really good last year, I remember. They sort of picked up towards the end of the season, didn't they? They finished... I, to be honest with you, I checked where they finished last year. I was quite surprised they finished 11th. I thought they finished a bit higher. But uh, yes, well done to Julian Calero and a great job he's doing. Just, you know, go easy on us this uh, 
um, this coming weekend. So we'll go to Malaga chat. I guess the big question to start with then for, you know, we'll jump in either of you. Do Arvin Appiah and Largo Jr. start? Does one of them start? What do you think? I think both players should start. Cool. I think that'd be fun. And especially at home against a team who are defensive. I'm sure we're going to mention this. We we need to start winning games. We can't try and be sort of, you know, well-balanced. Well, we still need to be well-balanced, I guess. But we do need to perhaps lean towards attacking a bit more, especially in these home games, like you said, Chris. Drop close a bit. Yeah, definitely. Who would you bring yeah, in? Start for playing with a 4-4-3. Four, four, or 4-4, four, four, that's a bit too much. 4-4-2. Four, four, yeah, okay. 4-4-2. Four, four, maybe, uh, yeah, not, not sure how. Or 4-3-3, three, three, maybe. Yeah, I, I think I would, you know, I think there's very little difference these days, but I would go with a 4-2-3-1, which I know is very similar to a 4-3-3 three, three, um, with... Largo Jr., Feb Bass, maybe, and uh, what do you call it? Um, Appiah with. Or a 4 3 2 1. 4 3 2 1. That, would, that could be fun. But then I suppose as long as the two are the wingers, which I guess would be Appiah and Largo Jr., or one yep. of them even. This, I think one of them has got to play in this game. Um, Alex, what about you? Do, do you think one of them starts, two of them starts, none of them start? I'd like to see both of them. I was just having a look at the, the starting eleven against Avon and seeing who I'd take out. I think I'd keep the goalkeeper in the back for all the same. Mm-hmm. I think I'd probably bring out and DIA just to have someone a bit more attacking. I really think we should go for it in this game. Um I think, you know, maybe a four three three or maybe even a, like a four two four if that's possible. Um just But I think to go more attacking you would need to have to bring on Luis Munoz instead of NDID. Yeah, so have maybe Munoz and Febas slightly further forward in the midfield and then have two wingers and two attackers. Um, you know, whether that means taking out the Alba, I, I don't know. Um, but well, it would take, have to be. <laughs> You'd yeah, have to take someone out, Alex. I think I think probably, yeah, taking out Chavaria for sure, taking out Rosabed for sure, putting in uh Instead of in the IA, I'd put in um, the name. It's just completely gone out of my mind now. Luis um, Munoz? Yeah. Um, I think Luis Munoz, you know, it'd be nice to see him pick up a bit full. Um, and yeah, I don't see why not. Just something, just to ignite us. Because I feel like we're playing, starting to play some OK football. We still feel a little bit flat and goals are a problem. I would say the one, and I don't even think we've mentioned his name once on this podcast. So I might have mentioned him really briefly in that A bar part. Was uh, I still want to see uh, Alex Gayeros like start a game? I think he's not as obviously dynamic and quick as the two wingers we've just signed, but I'd happily see him start with, I don't know, Yago Jr. on one side and him on the other, and maybe Alex Gayar a little bit more inside, a bit closer to Ruben Castro, assuming he starts. Because um, I think when he's come on in the last two games, um, he's been really good, especially in the Tenerife game. I just think when he has come on, we've played him too far back. And I think I'd rather see him pushed forward a bit. So, again, there's a lot of options in that midfield all of a sudden. Maybe, maybe we are right to get rid of Danny Lorenzo. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think we we need to find goals, don't we? Uh, like... See, and the irritating thing I've noticing is the like some of the teams around, especially like uh, Real Oviedo, have obviously have Boya Baston, who's sort of 
scored enough goals just to take them away from the relegation place. I think he's got eight this season. And now Mirandez, who have hit this amazing bit of form, they've got that uh, Raul up front who's scored, I think, 10 goals. We need someone like that to start dragging us away. Um, uh, I think you've said this, Alex. So I'll come to Chris. We've given him Biznaga tonight for his performance against Eibar. Does Burgos keep his place ahead of Escassi for this game, do you think? A difficult yeah. one. Oh. You go first, Chris. What, what do you think, Alex? Because I, I'm not sure. I think. Well, Alex, Alex told me he would keep the same starting back four. Yeah, so. I think I, I think it would be wrong to chop and change the back four or such because I, although the last goal, yeah, you can blame the the marking on them. I think generally as a back four, they weren't awful against Ava. I think you know, obviously Escassi is a is a very important player. I just think maybe. Just a bit of continuity. It, it's not a bad thing. So I'm, you know, obviously one of them had made a horrific mistake. You yeah, you take them out, but I actually don't think they were generally that bad against Avar. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I I agree. I would stick with the same back four, and not that's like not because Escassi's been bad, like you said, just for um, for continuity, and uh, you know. Juan de is susceptible to injury. I'm sure sure Escassi will be. So you guys to... are dropping your captain, the captain. Um, I'm not dropping him. I'm not putting him back in the team. Is how I'm going to word it. But yes, I guess so. Um, it, like just to be clear, if Escassi's in the starting eleven ahead of Burgos, I do think we need to play Juan de. I will be fine with that too. I just think. Burgos, I thought was really good. We, well, we've literally the three of us have just said he was our best player in that game. Yes, but then Escassi is also a very good player. Yes, so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I would. Okay. Oh no, I, I totally agree. I, I'm not saying it's a, a clear cut one, but I just thought you know podcast discussion point and all that. Yes. Um, I said in my intro, guys, that this is perhaps. The most must-winniest of the must-win games so far. I like the term must-winniest. Um, would you agree with that, Alex? Because we have thrown around the phrase must-win quite a lot since November, I would say. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I believe the phrase comes from, I hear it a lot in American sports, uh, like the most winningest team. Okay. It, when I first heard it, it sounded a bit odd. But oh, really? I, I thought I'd invented this. Maybe, but no, maybe winning, okay. most winningest team. I don't know. Maybe a slightly different word, but okay. um, I, I just read a stat on Twitter actually um, from Paco Cobos Bravo. Uh, I don't know who that is, but it's a Malaga account. And so a year ago today, or a year ago, practically, Jose Alberto was sacked. Since then, we've had four coaches. And do you guys want to have a guess how many victories since then? Okay, so we've got four this season. I'm going to say eight. Five or six? Seven or eight? Seven. Seven, Seven victories in a whole year. Uh, So, yeah, I think going forward, and without wanting to sound too cliche, going forward pretty much every game until we get out of the relegation zone is the most (laughs) winniest game. Um, But, uh, no, I, I think... Although Burgos are a good team and they are solid, I do think this is one that we can go for. I think we're yeah. you know slowly starting to play better football. I feel like I've been saying that for about three years now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think at home, 
with a with a home crowd, maybe it's just that one of those games that we can just kickstart a run. I know we've got uh, Oviedo and Sporting Gijón to come, which will be really tough. But I think if we don't get a point, at least, I, I, I'm just starting to get a little bit worried. I think if we get a point in this game, we are, I'm not going to say we're dead and buried, but we are starting to dig the grave. I would say we're, we're, we're on our way down. I think it's, I think, I think this Guys, game, let's be positive. I know I was going to say, I was about to say though, this game, I do agree with what Alex said. These are obviously like a, a tough defensive team, but in a way I think that will suit us. They will let us go at them, you know, and it will be tough to break them down, but hopefully, you know, two new exciting wingers who still have a point to prove um, to us and maybe to people who have rejected them um, at like previous clubs. So hopefully that helps us. Ruben Castro still got a point to prove. People are starting to question him or have been questioning him. Um, yeah, and I think that midfield, like we've just listed, like you, Alex said a midfield, Chris said a midfield, I said a different midfield. There's a lot of exciting options there. So there is optimism there. Um I guess the next question to ask then, so Alex said, oh, you know, if we got a point or, you know, if we are to lose this, I've started to notice on Twitter a little bit more division between do Malaga fans support in Pepe Mel or not. Now, I'm not going to speak for you two guys, but I've generally got the the feeling from this podcast that we are very much a pro Pepe Mel podcast. We like him. But will he be in trouble if maybe we don't win this or the game after? I think Malaga is more in trouble if they sack Pepe Mel after this match or after any match. Because the thing why we are not winning or not or we not at the point we should be, and that's out of the relegation zone, doesn't have to do with Pepe Mel. It has to do with uh, Manolo Gaspar, and I think Pepe Mel did the best a manager can do with the team he has. Yes, I, I will say I, I, ge- I generally agree with you there, Chris. I don't think I think we do have to say he'll have a little bit responsibility because he has taken on the job, but um, not enough for me that you know I would not be angry at Pepe Mel if they go down. I think. There's, you know, even like this last game against Eibar, like how can Pepe Mel, well, I was going to say, how can Pepe Mel stop Hosebed playing that header? Maybe not picking him might be one idea, but um, yes, there's, it's, it just seems to be like silly mistakes go against us all the time and we get punished, but then, you know, make silly mistakes in professional football, you do get punished, I guess. Um, I, I'm like, I think I agree with everything you said. Otherwise, Chris, I think he is a very good manager. I think with what I think is not a great team on paper, although it's starting to look a bit better. Uh, he is coaching them well. And like we weren't, we were conceding a lot more goals before and we're not now. Um, yeah, I can just see that we are working on things on the training ground. And if we go down, I would not put too much blame on Pepe Mel. What about you, Alex? Uh, the only reason why I want to see Pepe Mel sacked is if it turns out Sean Dice has become fluent in Spanish and is <laughs> taking a mega job. <laughs> Ah, oh, Sean Dyche, he would absolutely love the Giri Army. He is the. Mo- <laughs> I can't think of another British football manager that would just fit in so seamlessly. Because I think <laughs> I think he's quite big on like sort of. I think he's into like indie music and sort of like Scar and stuff. So I can imagine him hanging out with Spider and uh, 
Yeah. And also, obviously, Spider's a big Burnley fan, so him and Spider would get on like a house on fire. Actually, yeah, don't even worry about the manager job, Sean Dyche. Just come to a game with us. I think you'd have a lovely time. Um, yeah, you would be a good manager. But I can't... Sadly, Alex, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, uh, I guess the next question, Chris, and I don't know, you may be better to ask for this. Is there sort of any, I don't know, mumblings from anywhere that there's talk of Mel even being close to getting sacked? Because I've not... No. I didn't think so, but... The fans are just angry about everything at the club, and I don't think it's really helping. Mm. I think that's becoming a problem, to be honest. Yes, and... Uh... It's so important at these difficult moments to stay behind the team, to stay behind the players, to stay behind your club, and to support them. Yeah, I, I would say the fans are mostly behind the players. I'd certainly say there's frustration vented at them at home games sporadically. There's a lot of frustrations going on. But, you know, that's I'm not criticising that. That's understandable. Um, but, yeah. yeah, there's certainly... I've never really heard anyone go for Pepe Mel. Um, I've seen, like, no. a couple of things on Twitter recently, but nothing, you know, really a real small minority. So, yes, we are... But let's say the, the, the way down is starting, mm. you start to see relegation coming with the how the way the Spanish fans respond or act. Yeah. It's the first sign, I guess. True, yes. Um, but yeah, like La Rosaleda is still a, you know, apart from what's going on on the pitch, in regards to the stands, it's still a positive place to watch football and yeah. the fans are still very much behind the team. Um, they're certainly not behind uh, Manolo Gaspar. That's probably the main target of... Um, booze and chants and stuff but even then those chants generally only get brought out when Malaga concede uh, or at the final whistle and even then they are short blasts of those chants just to make the point. Yes of course but the old Manolo Gaspar situation uh, the whole situation with Altani everything affects the first team True Of course yeah So it all affects It all all creates an atmosphere which they have to work in I guess doesn't it so um Every yeah. negative tweet uh, a Malaga fan sends out or every negative article uh, published by the press, it doesn't help the club. No. You so, can be supportive on the stands when Malaga plays, but the players also have social media and they also read the newspaper. So what we're saying is we absolutely love you, Hosebed, really. Um, okay, I think that's it. I don't know if the, any of you guys have anything to add on the Burgos game or any sort of Malaga news or something we've look, overlooked. We are getting Arvin up on the show. Yay. That's fun. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Talking about cooked breakfasts and I don't know, because he was born in Amsterdam, wasn't he? So you could talk to him about yeah. Dutch things as well, Chris. Um, yeah, he left Holland when he was six, I believe. So I don't think he will remember much. I, about I've the, I've been to, I've been to Nottingham a few times. I once featured in the Nottingham Gazette or whatever the lo- Nottingham Echo. I can't remember the newspaper is there. That's a long story. Um, I woke up in Nottingham after, on a train and ended up in the newspaper. It, we'll save that story for another day. They I, have the nicest badge, I think, in yeah. in European football. Well, actually. The reason that story carried on is because I got into the football match for free when I befriended 
a Polish guy who turned out to be a coach at Nottingham Forest and got me in the ground for free the day after I'd woke up in Nottingham. It was a very strange 24 hours for me. Um, uh, yeah. Um, right, let's move on. and let, let, Well, let's not move on. Let, let's move on out. Uh, thank you, Alex Ashmore. Thank you. And well, hopefully, it was, I'm trying to make some sort of bad connection here, but it was three degrees and extra this morning. Hopefully, Malaga can get three points this weekend. Lovely stuff. It sort of, sort of works, Alex. I was, again, I was trying to think of a three degrees song very quickly. <laughs> we could use, but am I, I'm very tired and can't even think of one three degrees song. Did they sing? You can't hurry, love, or is that the Supremes? I always get these bars. Anyway, let's move on very quickly before I. I, my new music knowledge is usually pretty good, but it's just gone now. Um, Chris, thank you. Welcome back. Thank you. Three girls flirted with me last weekend, and I drank three beers today. Um, so I hope Malaga will get the three points. Yeah, um, I, I've not drunk any alcohol for 10 days now. I'm having a sort of drier January, so... I will be at La Rosaleda Saturday and that will be my first day drinking again. So um, I decided I definitely need to have alcohol to watch Malaga. Um, you know, that doesn't mean everyone does drink responsibly. Um, I will probably be doing a Vamos a La Rosaleda episode, I imagine. So if you see me about, come say hello. I think a friend of the podcast, Luke Chambers, is going. So I'll try and chat to him. So that will be fun. But anyway, thank you to all our other friends of the podcast, who have listened. I've been Matt Harrison. You've been listening to the Giri Cast on Sport Direct Radio. Adios and vamos, Malia.